This is the voice of the Report of the Week, signing on. Well, hello, ladies, gentlemen, and everyone listening in to this latest edition of VORW International, the podcast. Very happy 2024 to everyone out there tuned in right now. Hope to get this uh, out in the first week of January 2024. So we we begin a new year. Hope uh, your holiday season has been a smooth and uh, preferably pleasant one, but at the very least a smooth one. And if it wasn't, because I know it's never guaranteed, well then I hope at least your 2024 will be a bit better than the end of your 2023. Very quiet on my end. Uh, but then again, you know, my approach to the holidays and all of that, it's a its a personal choice, mind you, but it's a very laid-back approach that I take. I don't really, you know, I don't do all that much, just stay in, sit back, relax, take it easy, but, you know, that's my prerogative, and, uh, and that's just the way I do it. Uh, there's some folks, you know, they want to party hard, or they want to, you know, go out and do the whole thing, and that's fine, you know, it's... It's it's whatever, you know, whatever you feel best doing, really. I just know sometimes the holidays and all of that, just this, uh, this general time of year, which we're now beginning to exit, but late December, mid-late December into early January, it can just be so stressful. So, in my opinion, unnecessarily stressful. I don't know. I just think it shouldn't be that way, but it is, you know, it's just modern holidays and the, I don't know, the expectations that come come of it, or just, you know, it's not even expectations, sometimes life, it just, <laughs> it is what it is, it just can be quite stressful. I don't know, I'm just rambling at this point, I just want to say, hope everyone out there is uh, doing alright. So, this podcast today isn't going to be too long of a show. Essentially, I just want to uh, catch up on a couple emails that were sent in. Um, But most importantly, I want to give a bit of an announcement for the next program, the predictions show that I'm doing. So we're going to get into that in a moment. There isn't any fan art for this program. I just haven't... uh, I don't think I have any at this point. So, if you are feeling artistically inclined, of course, you're under no obligation, but if you do want to make a piece of fan art, again, I don't have any at this point, so there's nothing to feature, so if you send something in, odds are it's going to get featured in the next program. Have fun with it, make any piece you want, just let me know how you'd like to be credited, be that anonymously, by name, if you'd like me to link a social media profile or a website, in the description, so uh, listeners can find more of your work. And uh, just send it to me. Email me the piece of fan art you'd like featured in the next program. And uh, then as a result, it'll probably be the thumbnail of the next podcast. It'll be up there on YouTube for everyone to see. And, uh, And there you have it. You can just email me a piece of fan art if you'd like to make any, of course. V. O. R. W. I-N-F-O at gmail.com. Likewise, though, sometimes things, you know, they slip through the cracks. If you have sent in 
a piece of fan art and it never got featured, uh, this also is the time to just resend a piece of fan art because again, uh, right now I have pretty much nothing. So uh, if again you sent any fan art, doesn't matter how long ago it was, uh, you're always welcome to resend it if it's never been featured and uh, I'll get it featured in the next program. So please just resend it to me. Uh, this is the time to do it. Likewise, if you enjoy this program, you want to hear more of it, and uh, if you listen into my radio show as well, and you want to keep that going, please consider supporting this program with a donation via Patreon. I do a Patreon page, patreon.com slash the report of the week. There you can support my radio show. If you donate via the Patreon, you can access my radio programs on demand. You could listen to thousands of them if you'd like. They're there to listen to. It helps keep that show going. It's very well received. I do two shows a week every week. That's two additional hours of content. I'll talk about the news of the day and anything else that I want to talk about. I'll break down the stories. I'll give uh, my opinions, insight, and analysis. And then I'll balance everything out with some listener-requested music, too. It's a fun show. As I said, very well received. It goes out online. goes out on many shortwave frequencies around the world, including a new broadcast to Africa, which has been very successful. also goes out on some AM radio stations as well. But uh, I pay for all the airtime. It's not cheap, but it's very rewarding. But the only way to keep that going... Uh, is through your financial support. If you'd also like, you could send in a donation via PayPal to V-O-R-W-I-N-F-O at gmail.com. I know people don't like it when you ask for money, but I just try to pass the hat around at the beginning of each program, get it over with, and uh, of course it's up to you. But uh, that's that. You won't hear any more about that for the rest of the broadcast. So, what I'd like to do next is uh, get into, really, the main reason why I'm here at the microphone today. If you listened to the last show that I did, you already know the answer. It's a yearly tradition for this program. I think I've been doing it since, at the very least, early... 2019, but I might have even started it in 2018, but all I could say is that it's been ongoing for years, it's somewhat of a tradition, and uh, it's something that's very well received by listeners, and a lot of people look forward to it, they, they think it's interesting. I personally find it quite interesting myself, I, I like doing it, and uh, as a result, of course, it's going to continue into 2024. A predictions show. Every year, in early January, I have a predictions podcast, and all that it entails is a listener response, and I just ask the question, which I'm asking once again right now, what do you think is going to happen in 2024? What do you predict for the next year ahead? So the point of today's show is that I am taking responses and submissions with predictions right now, right here. What do you think is going to happen in 2024? 
It's an open-ended question. I'm going to allow a period of about a week, week and a half maybe, for uh, predictions to be sent in. And then I'm going to be doing another show a little later on in the month where I am going to read any predictions that come in and I'm going to share them on the air for everyone to listen to. You could always listen in to some of the previous predictions shows if you want any inspirations, uh, but it's a lot of fun. And it's always interesting to see later on in the year uh, whose predictions, if any, wound up being correct. So the way to do it is quite simple. You could interpret this any way you want. You could make a prediction in regards to geopolitics. You could make a prediction in regards to uh, the environment, current events, celebrity deaths, election results, wars, conflict, music, pop culture. You could make a personal prediction. You could make predictions in regards to astronomy, anything. I don't care. Just what do you think is going to happen? In 2024, you could take it from the biggest to the smallest. If you want to take a stab at the 2024 U.S. election, hell, go for it. Do you think there's going to be another pandemic? Go for it. Do you think that there's going to be mass unrest in the U.S.? Do you think there's going to be a world war? Uh, Do you think there's going to be some great scientific breakthrough? Uh, Do you think good things are going to happen? Bad things are going to happen? Anything. Go for it. Uh, The best part about the predictions show is uh, I really, uh, I don't hold back. You know, the absolute worst thing that's going to happen is I can't say something on YouTube, and I'm just going to say it on the other platforms. So don't hold back with the predictions. Just go for it. Uh, Take a stab at what you think is going to happen in the next year. I accept predictions in writing and via email only. So if you want to send in a prediction for the next broadcast, You have to send me an email in order to do it. All you have to do is write your prediction. Again, whatever you want it to be, whatever viewpoint. I'm not looking for just a certain slant. Uh, So really, just what do you think? Go for it. That's all that I'm interested in at this point. It can be a morbid prediction. It can be a positive prediction. Again, it could be in regards to current events. It could be a personal prediction. And, uh... Anything, just go for it. You could write it to me via email at the following email address. V-O-R-W-I-N-F-O at gmail.com. That's V-O-R-W-I-N-F. O at gmail.com. I really hope you could send in a prediction if it's something that you're interested in. I always think back to when I tried to do the predictions show for 2020. And I think we all remember what a crazy year 2020 wound up being, right? And I know you might be thinking to yourself right now, wow, you did a prediction show for 2020? You know, how did that turn up? You know, did... uh, did he get any people that even got remotely close to to all the craziness that happened that year? And the sad truth is that I did a predictions show, and almost no one sent in a prediction. Uh, everyone just kind of thought, oh, someone else is going to do it, so I don't have to. And in turn, I got about maybe three predictions, and that was it. Uh, none of them really focused on current events, and... Uh, 
It just wasn't much of a success. Uh, for a year like 2020, for such a crazy one, there really was no predictions show whatsoever. And I just emphasize that because, you know, that would have been a really cool predictions show, considering, again, what a year it was. And I emphasize that because the only way this will work is if people send in predictions. Uh, the last few years have thankfully been much more successful. But again, the only way this can be a success is if you participate. Now, of course, you don't have to, but the more folks that do, uh, the more the, the higher the odds, I should say, that this winds up being a fun, interesting, insightful, and entertaining predictions show for what, in my opinion, is sure to be a wild and crazy year. So please, you could send in a prediction, long or short. It doesn't have to be long. It could be a sentence long. But uh, we really just need the feedback in order to have ourselves a nice predictions show. So, you know, take some time. Think about it if you want. you got about a week, maybe two weeks uh, to think about it. So you don't have to rush it. Uh, but please consider sending in a prediction for 2024. And uh, it'll be really interesting. You know, whatever, whatever you want it to be about. Could be about the war between Israel and Palestine. Do you think it's going to escalate? Do you think it's going to be a regional war? Do you think uh, it's just going to spiral out of control? What do you think is going to happen between Ukraine and Russia? Uh, there was that major earthquake that happened in Japan. Do you think there's going to be more of that? Uh, what about the election in the U.S. or elections elsewhere? You know, take it any way you want. You could send in a prediction about North Korea if you want. Or you could send in a prediction about the Kardashians if you really want to go there. Or about Taylor Swift or anything. You could... You could send in a prediction about bowling if you want to. I don't care. Uh, have fun with it. It's a blank slate, and uh, take it any direction you want. V-O-R-W-I-N-F-O at gmail.com I should also mention that uh, if you would like, because, you know, it's up to you, uh, if you want to send in a prediction and just be anonymous, I will respect that. You could just let me know. Just say, uh, I'd like to be kept anonymous. You could just do that. I will respect it. If you'd like to use a pseudonym, I don't care. Go for it, too. Whatever you're comfortable with. So uh, if you'd prefer to give an anonymous prediction, uh, just mention it. Please mention in the email, I'd like to remain anonymous and uh, I will most certainly respect that. So I just also wanted to throw that in there. All right, next up, there were some emails that I hadn't the chance to respond to, so I want to get to that now. Even though the next program is mostly going to just be predictions for 2024, if you just want to send in any sort of email, you know, questions, comments, feedback, anything you want to share, etc. You could still do that. That's fine with me. You could always send in an email to v-o-r-w-i-n-f-o at gmail.com. Likewise, of course, if uh, you're interested in the medium of shortwave radio, you know it's declining. Year after year, it's, it's, it's losing the life that it has left in it. That's the sad truth, but it's not totally dead yet. But, you know, with every year, there's more and more stations going away. Uh, just in the last month, uh, there's some concerning signs, you know, on the horizon. 
Uh, it looks like there is a station in Ecuador and a station in Brazil that shut down. And uh, in East Asia, uh, KBS World Radio from South Korea and NHK World Radio Japan, uh, while they haven't marked any reductions yet, they both have been talking about how their uh, transmitting facilities are uh, getting older and older, and, you know, that's not a good sign. So I don't know how long either of those stations are going to be around for. And uh, Radio Taiwan International, they too are talking about making some cutbacks. I emphasize that because, you know, shortwave radio, it's dying. Uh, there's some concerning signs on the horizon as to uh, what 2024 may, may hold. If you want to still, you know, enjoy it while it's still around, uh, the window is closing. It's closing fast. There might be some stations, you know, a year from now that aren't even going to be around anymore. So if you want to make the most of it, again, that window is closing. It's essentially now or never. If you're still thinking about getting into shortwave radio, I'm the person to ask, essentially. And if you'd like to get a radio to either casually listen to, to listen to my broadcast, to listen to some international stations before they all disappear on us, if you'd like to get a radio for emergencies, etc., you could always send in an email. You always can. I'll be happy to help you out. Radio recommendations, antenna recommendations, a listening guide, you name it. It can be daunting. It can be confusing. But uh, I've got plenty of information. It's a pleasure to offer it. And uh, all you have to do is reach out. Uh, just express your interest, and uh, I'll try to help you out as best I can. If you want to get one to uh, listen to my broadcast, let me know. I will give you the best times and frequencies accommodated to your time zone. And uh, that way you could listen into my broadcast with ease. So just let me know. It's a medium that, you know, <laughs> I'm going to die on this hill. So I'm going to keep promoting it. There's still life left in it. I'm going to be realistic about it. But, uh, you know, there still is life. And... Uh, Anyway, just throwing that out there. You could always request any information, v-o-r-w-i-n-f-o at gmail.com. I will get back to you in writing, so uh, just let me know. All right. With that, let's break open the email and uh, let's see what there is. This next one comes in from Justin in Rhode Island. And he writes... This is a two-part email, but I wanted to start off by saying that I appreciate what you had to say in your September 29th broadcast concerning personal fashion. More people should be able to dress how they want without fearing public lashback. It's strange to me that many people will look at someone else's clothing and make an attempt to mock them for dressing how they want to dress. I enjoy wearing the clothes I like, often crossing into the line of fashion faux pas and mixing patterns and fabrics. However, I wear what I like to wear and do not need the approval of others to do so. I feel as though society has gotten better as far as more acceptance of others being who they are, but there still are some people, as you said, who are offended by your daily donning of suits. And this most likely has something to do with the fact that you are a public figure and, as such, are subject 
to a higher level of scrutiny than an anonymous person would be. That being said, on to the second part of my email. I enjoy the way you are able to balance your opinion without backing down, while also presenting it respectfully so as not to come off as malicious towards those who may not agree. This is a delicate line to walk, and many pundits are incapable of presenting an opinion without verbally trashing the opposing side. Hypothetically speaking, if you were ever approached to be part of a discussion panel composed of maybe three or four people to discuss current events or any other aspect of anything at all, would you accept the invitation? I realize it may not be exactly your style of programming, but would you be part of a debate panel? If so, what would be the subjects you would consider yourself to be an expert on, or at least have valuable input on in order to contribute to such a panel? Thanks for taking the time to read my email and keep up the good work. Thank you. Justin in Rhode Island. So a two-part email there. Very well said about clothing, by the way. And secondly, as far as being on a panel is concerned, it's not something that I've really thought of, and I can't say that I would accept such an invitation, realistically speaking. There aren't many instances where I would see myself accepting an invitation for something like that. But, to indulge in your question, even if it's something that I might not see myself doing, I know for sure that this is something that I am capable of doing. You know, it's like one of those things where I know if I had to do it, I could do it, and I'm pretty sure I could do it well at that. It's just, is this something I'm going to go out of my way to try to do? Most likely not. But I think, like, on a panel like that, I would be able to uh, impart my interjections and thoughts and, you know, do so to the best of my ability. As far as things that I could comment on, uh, there's really lots that I could. You know, in my free time, I research many things. That's not to say that I'm an expert by any means. I'm not. But uh, I certainly know enough about a good number of things that uh, at least I could impart my thoughts and, you know, carry on a sustained discourse on the matter. So, of course, radio, right? I know I could talk about that. I could talk about social media and content creation. But, uh, you know, I could talk about suits. I could talk about all sorts of things and more serious subjects. I could talk about U.S. politics to great length. You know, you don't really hear that sort of discussion here because it's such a, a nightmare. But if needed, I could easily talk about it, again, to, uh, to great lengths. I could talk about all sorts of social issues. I could talk about many geopolitical issues, likewise. I could talk extensively about the war between Israel and Palestine. I could also talk to a great extent about the Sudanese 
civil war that's going on over there right now. I could talk about the Syrian civil war, could talk about North Korea, could talk about the Houthi group in Yemen and what's going on there. You know, so geopolitics, foreign policy, etc. Could easily go on about that. Oh, I could talk about all sorts of things. I could talk about conspiracies, cryptids, aliens. I mean, pretty much name a subject and, you know, for the most part, provided I know something about it, I could usually formulate my thoughts in such a way that I I feel like I would be able to uh, to function on a panel to that extent. But yeah, it's interesting to think about. Good question. Thank you. We hear from Chris in Medina, Ohio. I loved your November 6th podcast, especially your concerns about AI. I am torn myself on the subject. On one hand, I'm excited to see what the future of AI improvements might bring. Being low income, the idea of taking a virtual reality vacation, a la the holodeck on Star Trek, is very appealing. Also, I think the day is coming soon when AI will be able to provide solutions to long-standing physics and medical problems which will inevitably benefit mankind. On the other hand, a world of fantasy-absorbed slackers who don't need or want to do anything and don't work anyway because their incomes have been taken away by robots is a sure recipe for societal disintegration. I can well see the wisdom of your idea that going too far down this road is like a room full of idiots stumbling upon a design for a loaded handgun and thinking, what could go wrong if we make a bunch? I have a couple of questions which I would appreciate you considering. Being a fellow extreme introvert, I really appreciate all your content upon the subject. It's meant so much to me. It's like I finally found someone whom I could relate to in a good way. But I also consider myself very shy. Even if I am in a social situation and I want to co- that I want to participate in, let's say, an interesting discussion, I generally won't because I feel too self-conscious. I worry everyone will think I'm stupid and wonder why I'm bothering them. So I wonder, do you think shyness is a part of introversion or something separate? Do you consider yourself at all shy? So that's uh, the first part. You do have a second part, but I'll get to this one first. Generally speaking, I regard it all as sort of the same thing. But I still think that there is a bit of a distinction. You know, to me, like I said, I lump it all together, but if I needed to pick it apart, I could. Shyness makes more sense as being part of, like, the anxiety spectrum than just being introverted. And again, there's a lot of similarities there, but I always have more of a connotation with, like, anxiety, as far as shyness is concerned, than anything else. But, oh, yeah, I'll get those worries, too. I would say I could be pretty shy. You know, a lot of the time in conversation, I'll be very 
reluctant, you know, unless it's someone that I'm very familiar with, to really uh, speak up. It's like, you know, because I have those self-doubts, I guess. What if I just screw it up? What if I say the wrong thing? What if I don't say... What if I'm not able to find the right words to, you know, say what I want to say? What if I'm just inconveniencing this person, etc., etc.? And, uh, I'll run into that a lot. So I know exactly what you mean there, and it's tough. It's tough. The only way to really combat that is to just go in, essentially, head first, and say, well, I'm just gonna take the plunge and take the risk. Just start talking, and it'll be how it is. And that's difficult, because there's no sort of guarantee that there's going to be a certain outcome that will be achieved by just opening your mouth. So... It's, it's tough. Sometimes, you know, as far as shyness and all that is concerned, the solution sounds so easy. You're shy? Well, just talk more, you know? Yeah, well, if you've ever had to deal with it, you know that's a whole lot easier said than done. And, uh, it's tough. It, it really is. Now you continue. My second question is hopefully a bit lighter. Discounting troll and hate mail, roughly what percentage of a new podcast's VORW email would you say you are able to read on air in the next podcast? I ask because your channel has grown so much since the early days when you were able to respond to all of it, and it's left me curious. How do you choose which ones you will read? So thank you, Chris, in Medina, Ohio. So, generally speaking, I would say I get to about 70% or so. I try to read what I can. Uh, a lot of the time, I just sort through it by date, and I go through it that way. However, uh, one thing that I do take into account is just the length of some of the, the messages. Uh, for instance, I'll occasionally get an email that's extremely, extremely long. And uh, not that I have a problem with that. Obviously, the writer put in enormous effort to make it that long. Uh, but sometimes the amount of energy on my end is just not up to par. I'm not able to read it all, essentially. So sometimes if there's one email that's extremely long and five that are shorter, I'll oftentimes prefer to just go with the five shorter ones and uh, put the longest one on the back burner and save it uh, for when I feel I have more energy in order to respond to it most appropriately. But even those long emails, I try to get to them. And uh, in this case, you know, with the ones being responded to in this program, uh, that precisely is what I'm doing here. These were some longer ones that I hadn't the opportunity to get to in the previous program, uh, so now I'm taking the time to do it right here, right now. Those are some good questions. Thank you for writing. 
Jamie in Las Vegas, Nevada, checking in. I hope this email reaches you in time for your next mailbag segment. My question is, do you ever wonder where your life will be in 20 years, or do you take it day by day and don't think about the future too much? I've believed more as the years pass that there are just as many things we are not in control over as to the things that we are. I don't know what plays more of a major role in our lives, luck or hard work. Your thoughts? Jamie in Las Vegas, Nevada. Thank you for your question, Jamie. It's good to hear from you. And uh, I am pleased to say, of course, that your email indeed made the cut. And uh, it's always a pleasure to, to get to whatever I can. So that's a good question. Number one, as far as 20 years down the road, no, I don't even, I don't really think about it. It's like, because I just don't know. I don't know. I, I don't know, 20 years from now, I might be dead in 20 years, you know? I might be here doing my thing. I might, we don't know. So I don't really think about it. Yeah, it just is what it is. I look more toward the, the near term in that regard. Uh, because looking that far ahead, it's just, it's no different to me than saying, well, where do you think you'll be in a hundred years? And it's like, a lot of people kind of scoff at that sort of question. And it'll be like, what on earth, what... What on earth kind of question is that? You even think I'll be here in a hundred years? You know, what? how would I know, if, even if I'm here, by some, some miracle, how would I know how my life would be that far away from now? You know, that's like how I look at it, even for 20 years. I just don't know. I, so I don't even really think about it, you know? Heck, we're not even guaranteed another day. You know, that's the reality of it. So 20 years, I just don't really, I take it as it comes. If I'm here in 20 years, I'm here. If I'm not, I'm not. But uh, the second question, I have a bit more thoughts on, luck versus hard work. You know, I really do believe it's a bit of both, but I think luck has more to do with things than a lot of folks perhaps care to admit. Because, you know, look, it sounds good if I were to simply say hard work, that, oh, you know, if you really work really, really hard, every dream will be attained, and you'll be anything you want to be, and, oh, you know, you want to be an astronaut, well, you just work really hard at it, and then you'll be in space before you know it, or uh, if you want to be a big-time senator, then I just work really hard on it, and you'll 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 win the next election. It's like that sounds good and all, but is that true? There are many instances. Don't get me wrong, where hard work most definitely pays off, and hard work can be the crucial element as far as success versus failure is concerned. But there likewise are instances 
where you could put all your blood, sweat, and tears into an undertaking, only for it to fail miserably, regardless of how hard you worked. We've all been there, haven't we? We've all had those moments. We'll just put in painstaking work. It seems like we'll focus forever on one thing or the next, and it just doesn't turn out the way you hoped. The results just aren't what you wished they would have been, could essentially be described as a failure. It's demoralizing, you think, but I put all my time into this. You know, I put, I put my money into this, I put my effort and energy, all my resources, I could have been doing other things, and instead, I focused on this so much, only for it to fall flat on its face. It hurts. You know, and if it were an absolute truth that there was always a correlation between hard work and success, then those sorts of instances would never happen. Hard work, again, plays a very important role, but sometimes being in the right place, the right time, knowing the right people, that makes all the difference. You know, when it comes down to this YouTube channel, people see it differently than I do. I realize that. I realize that because people have straight up told it to me, but... You know, it's one of those things where I can't help but see it how I see it, you know? I think that my channel, something was only able to come of it because of luck. I just find it, whether or not this belief of mine is true or not, I find it exceedingly difficult to believe that the work I put into this has any correlation whatsoever on any of the success this channel has. Uh, it's just hard for me to believe that. Part of me thinks I don't think that has a thing to do with it. I think it just got lucky. And that was it. It all started, in my opinion, based on pure luck. Some random guy in 2013 shared a video of mine that happened to be at exactly the right moment when exactly the right people saw it and then shared it some more and it then proceeded to snowball that was pure luck. I had nothing to do with it. Sure, I made the video. There were like a hundred other videos on the channel, indistinguishable from that one, practically. And I slept through the whole thing, while the one video of mine went viral a decade ago, and suddenly put the channel essentially on the map. That, I feel, was pure luck. It just happened to be seen by the right people at the right time who took the right course of action which just so happened to benefit this channel of mine in the long run. And even to this day, the YouTube algorithm, I oftentimes feel, is luck-based. 
So videos of mine that happen to get promoted, I just got lucky. There are videos I feel that I've worked, you know, far harder on that will just get 90,000 views. And then videos that I feel are subpar that get 500 to 800,000 views. So hard work definitely has a correlation, but do not underestimate luck as well. And luck, it goes both ways. You know, there's good luck and there is bad luck. I would wager we've all experienced both. Jamie, thank you for your question. Tim from Boston, Massachusetts. Long time listener, I've sent a few parcels of fan mail separated by a few years, but I've caught every podcast you've put on the RSS platforms since, and I try to catch your shortwave broadcasts when I can. A question. Are you still interested in cryptids, UFOs, and other paranormal things? The aliens that the Mexican government brought out a few months ago were kind of ridiculous, I thought, but I think there were still a lot of interesting discussions that had that... But I still think there are a lot of interesting discussions to be had about these topics. I've wanted to make my own podcast show for a long time now, and it's finally starting to feel realistic. When it happens, it would be influenced by your podcast and radio work, among many others, but still, thanks for all the hours of entertainment, Tim from Boston. Thank you, Tim. It's good to hear from you, and I appreciate your long-time listenership of both the podcast and the shortwave broadcast. So, your question, indeed I still am, I could say easily with confidence, I still am interested in cryptids, UFOs, paranormal, all of that. Oh, absolutely. Uh, all of that stuff, count me in. Uh, I think a lot of these things, whether or not they are real, I think some of them are. Uh, they're just entertaining, no matter what. They're fascinating, it's fun to think about, fun to research, and uh, I like leaving the door open to certain things. So, absolutely, uh, I, I research all of these things in my free time, and it's great. You know, I always enjoy researching, especially cryptids, but uh, I've also been going down a bunch of rabbit holes in regards to outer space, the universe, all of that, and uh, all sorts of things there which can go on to like some, you know, UFO and paranormal notes in and of itself. In my opinion, and this is just me saying it, when I especially start researching astronomy, cosmology, and all of that, you realize pretty quickly both how much we know compared to, let's say, where we were 200 years ago, and simultaneously, just how little we know as well. And sometimes, you know, I'll see these arrogant individuals 
that act like, oh, you know, it's 2023, I guess soon to be 2024. And uh, yeah, we got the smartphone and we got computers and we got the uh, fancy space telescopes and this and that. And they act like they could explain every single thing now. And I think, you know, get off your high horse and get over yourself. Yes, it's remarkable the progress we've able to make. It's amazing. And there are many things now that we have the answers to compared to hundreds of years ago. But don't you think for a second that we have the answers to everything? Because there's so much that we don't. And it really wouldn't surprise me if a day comes, maybe beyond our lifetimes, when perhaps some fundamental aspects of science are totally proven wrong. Just wouldn't surprise me. Things that people say today could never be proven wrong, that are always going to be right, that are just fundamental to everything, get proven conclusively wrong. I would believe that. But that's just me saying it. But, oh yeah, all those subjects are fascinating to me. And I always enjoy... It's fun to research them and expand my knowledge of certain subjects, but also it could be entertaining when I will look, let's say, in various cryptid encounters, and I'll hear these fantastical stories that are just so obviously, they're either just so weird to the point where it's entertaining, or it's so ridiculous to the point where it's entertaining, and, uh, you know, so these sorts of things can be informative, they could be amusing, they could be humorous, and uh, just plain fun. You know, I remember I was listening to this one program that was discussing Bigfoot. And this individual came onto the program and spoke at great length for three hours about her alleged... Uh, encounters with Bigfoot. Now, I will preface this by saying, I will say I am far more partial to the existence of these creatures than many other people are. And I have listened to some very compelling eyewitness accounts. But at the same time, just because someone says that they've seen a Bigfoot doesn't mean that they are to be believed. And for every decent encounter I've found, there would be about ten others that were ridiculous. So, I'll oftentimes listen to these skeptically. And the ones that still strike out to me, you know, then I think those are the real deal. But one thing that I look at, that again to me, is like a red flag, is when someone claims that, oh, wherever I go, I'm followed around by Bigfoot and Dogman and aliens and sea creatures, and I see a different one every single day, that, oh, I went out for a walk today and I saw Bigfoot, oh, and then t yesterday I, uh, I saw a dog man, and then two days ago I was fishing, and I saw this giant squid, and uh, then uh, the day before that, uh, there was a UFO, and I got abducted by... And, you know, they just go on and on. 
And I think to myself, wow, you must have the most interesting life I have ever heard of. And it amazes me even more so that despite the fact that you so claim to have a remarkable encounter on a literal daily basis, you refuse to try to capture any sort of proof whatsoever of said encounters actually happening. You know, so when people start going that route, and they claim that they've had the most encounters ever, uh, I usually just throw that out immediately, because I, I that just seems fake to me. But there is one instance where this lady was talking for three hours about her Sasquatch encounters, and it was more of the same. But the thing that made me laugh and I kind of just gave up on it right after this point, but, you know, she was going on, and it was so nonchalant, that's the best part. She was saying, yeah, when I was growing up, you know, I was in Kentucky, and uh, every day, you know, I would see them, I would walk through the woods, and they would be there in the tree line uh, watching me, and they would go and they would chase my family out of the woods all the time, but none of us were ever scared about that. So first I thought to myself, so wait a minute, you're telling me that your family members would get literally chased out of the woods by these large, seemingly aggressive, bipedal, ape-like creatures, and no one was even perturbed by that? Is that just supposed to be like a normal thing? So that was what was going through my mind, but then here's the best part. She continues, well, she was saying, one day I was with my parents and we were driving down this dirt road and I was in the back seat by the window and I had the window rolled down all the way. And all of a sudden, because we were driving slowly, one of the Sasquatch charged out of the woods and began running parallel to the car and he grabbed onto the window and reached his head into the window right where I was sitting and started slobbering on my head and then he proceeded to bite my neck and rip my jugular vein out with his teeth and after he did that my parents decided to swerve the car into a ditch which threw him off but everything was all right after that. And uh, there were two more times when we were driving down the same road where they tried to do it again. But this time around, I would leave my window rolled up about three quarters of the way through so they couldn't get their head uh, in this time. Now, for those of you who are actually awake and paying attention to what I had just said, did you notice the glaring just a glaring mistake or just bizarre thing about this. Do you notice it? I did immediately. As soon as I heard that encounter, I did a double take. I thought, wait a minute, did I? Did I just hear this right? And I went back. I listened intently. And indeed, it, it was what I thought it was. So you're telling me that this Bigfoot rips out your jugular vein 
And everything's fine after that. You don't even so much go to a doctor, nor do you go to the hospital. So this thing literally rips out your entire jugular vein with its teeth. You would be dead if it did that. You know how much blood would be all over the interior of that car? You wouldn't be alive to tell the tale. That would be that. You'd be dead. While it's possible, the odds of surviving having that total destruction of the jugular vein incredibly, incredibly low. And if you managed to, you could guarantee that would be part of the story as well, because you would be in such treatment in the hospital, forget it. But they act like, oh, yeah, I, I stubbed my toe, and that was that, oh, yeah, I ripped out my jugular vein, and yeah, and then, then we went to the movies afterward, or something ridiculous like that. So, when I heard that, and it was delivered again so nonchalantly, like it was, you know, I, I bumped my elbow on this, yeah, I ripped out my jugular vein, I thought to myself, you gotta be kidding me. And uh, beyond that point, I just gave up on that interview. So, you know, there'll be moments like that where it's it's uh, so ridiculous. It's entertaining, but it's still ridiculous. Uh, there was one from the other day. I was researching the Mothman of uh, West Virginia, and this guy claimed that he saw the Mothman, but... And the best part about this one is that the encounter was dramatized, and the acting out of it tried to make it less awkward than it was, but it failed completely. So the guy said, yeah, so... I was in my home, and uh, I had a friend over earlier that day, and uh, we had something to eat, and... He was helping me do some work, you know, in the yard. He was helping me move some equipment or something. And and uh, then he headed out, and I uh, went up to the bathroom. And uh, I went into the bathroom, and I saw that the shower curtain was drawn, and behind it was a figure that was just standing there. So I figured that... It must have been my friend, and uh, I swore that he had left earlier in the day, but maybe he had actually gone up to the bathroom to wash up instead. So I didn't say anything, but I just stood there in silence looking at the figure, and uh, I saw that he put his hand up to the shower curtain, so I walked right up to it, and I put my hand up against his hand with the shower curtain between us and we let our palms and, and fingertips touch and that's when I felt these long nails and that's when I knew that it wasn't my friend there and I immediately recoiled and then when I looked behind the shower curtain there was nothing there so <laughs> They actually tried to act that out as a dramatization, and again, it wasn't any better than it sounded. And that just got me thinking. I thought to myself, so are you telling me that is this like just something that you do with your friend, that you just walk in on him in the bathroom, 
and then you'll kind of put your hands up to the shower curtain silently, and you'll just share a moment like that? Is that just what you do? And you just didn't say anything. You couldn't care less if you intruded on your friend taking a shower. You're just going to awkwardly stand there and just put your hand up against his through the curtain. And, and it was the nails that, that clued you in that it wasn't him. So that was quite amusing as well. But uh, all this stuff is fascinating. And, you know, again, the subjects of UFOs and... Of course, even just outer space in general uh, captivates me. And even that isn't without, you know, these ridiculous things. There was some... I was reading a, a week or two ago about some of the closest star systems, particularly the Alpha Centauri system, which is the closest to our solar system, about four light years. And, uh... Obviously, you have the two main stars that orbit around a center point, and then you have the third star, the small little one, Proxima Centauri, which is the closest star to the sun. And there was a stupid AI-produced documentary and I call it a documentary in quotes that was a waste of time. It was essentially trying to say, well, what would happen if we had a spaceship that could get humans to Proxima Centauri in a hundred years? What would happen? So I thought to myself, you know, this might be interesting. It might discuss some of the hypothesized technology. It might discuss time dilation, which there wouldn't be much, but nonetheless. You know, and all these sorts of cool things that I was thinking about. And instead, you know what it took 20 minutes, pretty much, to explain? I said, so, what would happen if humanity had a spaceship that would get us to Proxima Centauri in 100 years? It would take us 100 years to get there. And that was it. I thought, wow. That was... That was a real waste of time right there. But yeah, it's interesting to think about anyway. It's interesting to think, you know... What is... Realistically speaking, if we put... If we forgot about money and costs and all of that, and collectively, let's say, pooled resources toward developing a craft that could get to Proxima Centauri, you know, what's the, uh, what's the fastest it could get there at, based on what could be created today? And I'm not sure. I think there was a hypothesized, I believe a hypothesized craft that I think they called it Operation Breakthrough Starshot, or it was something to that extent. 
that would utilize these high-powered lasers and it essentially could get these probes to Proxima Centauri in what they calculated to be 20 years time and they would be there. Which, for reference, I think it was mentioned that if you tried to fly a space shuttle to Proxima Centauri, it would take 79,000 years to get there. So, obviously, one is far faster than the other, but... Yeah, I don't know. I've heard of all sorts of other things proposed. Antimatter, and nuclear propulsion... And I've heard anyway that half the problem is not the accelerating, but the deceleration. Of which the only way that would really work in space is you'd have to turn the engines around and fire them in the opposite direction and let the force essentially cancel itself out. So you could come to a stop. Or at least slow down. But anyway, it's just food for thought. Thank you, Tim, for your email, and uh, I wish you the best of luck, by the way, on your podcast. I hope it's a great success, and I hope you have a lot of fun with it. And Josh in Texas is checking in. Been listening for a long time to both your Running on Empty series for about five years and the podcast. Thank you for all the broadcasts. I'll be signing up for your Patreon today. Well, thank you, Josh. Question... Do you have a favorite VORW broadcast and Running on Empty episode? Mine was the Taco Bell Should Be Ashamed of Themselves episode for Running on Empty and your Cryptids VORW broadcast episode for the podcast. Cheers and take care from Josh. Thanks, Josh. No, not really. The reason why, I know that's kind of like the killjoy answer right there, but... The reason why is because I sort of just look at this as work, essentially. So it just is what it is. But the VORW, there's not one that really comes to mind. But as far as the reviews go, one that I always liked was from long ago where I reviewed water. That one was quite amusing, if I say so myself. Where I tried out two jugs of water and I tried to seriously compare the two of them. That was that was fun. I had a lot of fun with that one. That was a good time. And uh that one definitely was up there. So, I would say more likely than not, that was probably one of my one of my favorites. Toby is checking in. Uh, just a short comment says, "Hope everything is going well for you." I saw this antenna on a house in my town today, and maybe and thought you may know what it's for. I assume the person that lives there must be a ham radio guy. Or is it an antenna like this that could potentially pick up shortwave? I saw it and immediately thought, Review Bra has to see it. So you included the picture, and, uh... 
Yeah, it's definitely that's a, that's an amateur radio antenna. That's a ham radio antenna. Uh, to describe the picture for people listening in, it's this sort of reddish brown house, and on the rooftop is this long, thin antenna sticking vertically up for probably a good twenty feet. It's on a little stand, and. Uh, it has, uh, toward the bottom, these little elements pointed down toward the ground. Uh, yes, that definitely is an amateur radio antenna. My understanding is that these types of antennas, while not always the case, a lot of them are used for VHF, UHF, communications, so maybe this person might be active on what they might call the repeater network or something to that extent. Uh, not so much shortwave, though there might be instances where it could be, but I believe that's not used for necessarily shortwave listening, um, but instead used for amateur radio purposes. So that was a cool picture. Thank you for sharing that. Mark checking in says, Yo, review bra. Long-time viewer from roughly a decade ago when you blew up on fit. The Zoomers have taken over naturally as time passes, but some still tell your tale. Glad to see you've kept your head together and pursuits and pursue what interests you in life. Well, thank you, Mark. Can't believe it's been a decade. Isn't that, isn't that something? Radio show is cool. Lack of feedback metrics is tough. I'd recommend a YouTube live stream, but maybe that's missing the point, and you enjoy the aspect of radio itself, which is necessarily one way. Cheers, mate. Continue grinding in pursuit of the numinous. So thank you for your feedback there. Yeah, see, that's the thing, that the YouTube live streams can be useful, but the thing about it is that, you know, then that would be like just doing a YouTube live stream. When I do the radio, I can play music. I can talk about whatever I want to talk about. I don't have to worry about, you know, saying something stupid and uh, and shooting the channel in the foot or anything like that. So the the freedom that the radio has, that's why I utilize it so much. Because I know there's no chance that I could piss off some sort of algorithm... And it's sort of liberating to know I'm not walking on eggshells here. I'm not walking on thin ice. And if I do something that ruins everything, I've only myself to blame for it. And it's not some sort of, you know, evil big tech algorithm that's out to get me or something. And, uh, and uh, I don't know, it's just a liberating feeling, but I know what you mean, and I, I appreciate your support, and uh, your suggestion as well. Thank you for sticking with the channel all these years. Andrew checking in. I have a question for you about your opinion on the next game in the Grand Theft Auto franchise. Ah, yes, yes, I am an expert on that. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm just busting you, Andrew. Now, let's, let's see what you have to say. Um, taking place in Miami, Florida. Well, the version of it, anyway. 
I am well aware you aren't a gamer and have little to no interest in games like this, and I don't expect you to care much, but I wanted to know how you feel about this, considering uh, you have been living in the state for a while now. The last Grand Theft Auto took place in a fictional version of L.A., and depicted a pretty accurate version of it, all things considered, with of course many liberties taken by the developers, Rockstar Games, in the design of the overall map and name, changing it to Los Santos instead of keeping it to Los Angeles. Again, I know this isn't something that really piques your interest, but it's something extremely anticipated in the gaming world, with the first trailer having since released just a few hours ago, so to interject, this this email was sent in uh, early December, continuing. Uh, With the first trailer having been released a few hours ago by the time I'm writing this, and uh, I figured I'd email in and uh, gather your thoughts about how the next Grand Theft Auto is using the legendary Florida man and woman, in this case, as the protagonists for their new game. Here is a link to the trailer if you want to watch it. Kind of shows the map a little bit, but uh, if you don't care, I understand, so... Andrew, thanks for checking in. Yeah, you know, I am not a gamer. I've never played a single Grand Theft Auto game. But uh, I know it's a popular franchise. I mean, look at this. 163 million views this has. It's crazy. So it's a huge, uh, huge, huge gaming franchise. Can't believe the graphics for this game either. That's that's the crazy thing. They've uh, they've really gotten they've really improved with time. You know, I, I've seen a lot of people. They've said a lot of things about the trailer. Uh, I know when it first came out, you know, all this stuff was coming up in. Uh, in the the recommendations and this that and the other thing, you know, because it gets so promoted on, on YouTube. So, I would say the thing that people always have to realize is that Florida. You could break down the state into a couple different regions. You know, Florida. There's a big difference between, let's say, the Florida Panhandle, versus Central Florida. And South Florida, you know, it's there's there's many differences. You could even, um, you could break it down even more. There's differences between Southwest Florida, you know. There's like the Florida heartland near Lake Okeechobee. That's South Florida, for instance, but it's very different from Miami, and it's also very different from, let's say, Fort Myers. And all those regions are different from. Let's say Central Florida, there's differences between the Space Coast versus Orlando versus Tampa. You go further north, there's, uh, I mean, so every region of of Florida is is very, very different. And uh, with that, you know, there's, there are to an extent certain cultural differences as well. Uh, There are certain parts of Florida that feel like the Deep South you know, that are more identifiable to, let's say, Alabama or Georgia 
There are some parts of the state that people say it's like New York, but a lot warmer, probably because the New York diaspora, for lack of a better word, is uh, so prevalent in, in certain areas. So it's it's very different, you know, and, and Florida is one of those states that you really can't generalize. It's a crazy place. <laughs> Don't get me wrong there. And uh, indeed, you know, you have all sorts of wildlife. You know, yes, there are alligators. I've I've seen them with my own eyes. I've even had alligators in my own backyard. You know, they they really do exist. And uh, and there certainly are a lot of crazy people, too. But I think that goes for every state. You know, so it's not for everyone, but, uh, anyway, uh, the Grand Theft Auto game, for, for my limited understanding, is supposed to take place in Miami, and, uh, you know, so that's going to be very different from even Orlando, or from, you know, Tampa, or Jacksonville, or Arcadia, Florida, or anything like that, you know, it's... It's uh, very different. I know there was a percentage of people that had some criticism for the trailer. They said that, demographically, they felt it to be a bit inaccurate. And uh, they were saying, you know, I'm looking at at these scenes, and I, I just don't think the way people are being portrayed is necessarily an accurate representation of how I feel South Florida is. And, uh... I disagree with that, though. You know, I've seen... I mean, I'm looking at the trailer right now. There have been instances where I will sometimes watch these videos, because it's kind of... You know, I'm a bit of a shut-in myself, so I kind of like watching these slice-of-life videos. So sometimes I'll see videos where, like, someone will just film themselves, you know, walking around a certain area, and... It's just fun for me because it's like I could kind of take in these sorts of places that I'll probably never find myself in. And uh, it's just fun to, you know, kind of look around and live vicariously through that, you know. So I'll watch videos of people walking around, let's say, through Manhattan or through, you know, some exotic city. Uh, But there was one guy that was in South Florida, particularly Miami. And uh, he made a couple videos where he was filming himself just kind of walking through, like, these touristy areas. Based on what I have seen, people might have their criticisms of the trailer, but based on what I have seen anyway, I actually would wager that it's an accurate representation. That's just my, that's my belief, just based on what I've seen. And, uh, you know, yes, there's other parts of the state that demographically might be a little different. But uh, based on the area that it's supposed to take place in, you know, I don't think in this case it's, you know, any sort of... I think it is accurate. I'll tell you what I don't like about it, though, and this is going to be an unpopular opinion. I understand. But, you know, I'm just going to say it. I don't care. You know, at this point, I just don't care anymore. I just don't like how over-sexualized certain things are. That's just my opinion. You know, where it's just like they're walking down a beach or something, and what, every single person in sight is just a model showing everything off? I, you know, I just don't like the standard that it kind of perpetuates and, uh, and, you know, such imagery. But 
in the end, I guess these games have a certain target audience, obviously. Uh, that's part of the appeal, I suppose, for that audience, but me... I don't know, I'm just a bit old school, I'm just not a... not a fan of that, and I don't say that, you know, one way or another, I just say that generally. Uh, I just... I don't know. It's a video game, and it's, you know... These aren't even real people, these are just computer-generated creations, but... The standard that it pushes, you know, I've never liked it. That, uh... You're just looking at people, they're just being portrayed as... Essentially worthless sex objects. And, uh... I just don't like that standard, but... You know... That's just me, that's just my, uh... My ancient way of thinking, I guess. I'm sure I'll get flamed for saying that, and I should just be sitting here saying how great it is, but, uh, I can't. I'm sorry. I just can't. In the end, obviously, look, I have my little opinion about it. This is going to be an enormously successful game, and, uh, again, it's for a certain demographic. You know, that demographic isn't me, so conceptually, of course, it's going to go over my head, and, uh, you know, in the end, that's all that there is to it. I have my opinion, but, uh, hey, they've got themselves an enormously successful game. So, that's just my opinion, but I would say, you know, generally speaking, yeah, they exaggerate certain things, you know, they exaggerate the way, you know, the certain imagery is to, yeah, you're not going to go walking down the beach in Miami and everyone's going to look like some Instagram model or something. That's just not going to happen. People are just going to look like normal people, which uh, uh, these these scenes are devoid of, essentially. And uh, some of the scenes with the wildlife are a bit over-exaggerated, too, uh, where it's like this guy is in an airboat going through the Everglades and there's hundreds and hundreds of flamingos and gators everywhere, and it's like, th there aren't that many. There are flamingos, you know, but they're, they're fairly few in number. Gators, on the other hand, it's a different story, and, uh, unfortunately, Burmese pythons. Yeah, there are lowriders, though, and people twerking on the roof of their car and all that. Yeah, that, that does happen. And, uh, and, uh, what is this, some elderly guy in a, in a thong, uh, watering his lawn? Yeah, you will, you, you will see that, admittedly, and some obese redneck covered in mud roaming around, yeah. Yeah, you'll get that, too, so, you know. It is what it is, I get it, it's, it's a game, you know, so... <laughs> oh, you asked for my opinion, so there it is. Uh, what else do we have? Kevin from New York City. In an alternate timeline where your YouTube channel never took off, what do you think you'd be doing for your bread and butter? So thank you, Kevin. I, I really don't know. I would say it probably would be one of two things. Either A, I would, uh... You know, to be realistic, it would go one of two ways. Either A... I would just put myself, you know, along the usual path. I would... Because, you know, I was always directionless. I still am. So, I'd go through college, get in debt, get a degree in something that I hate, 
and uh, find myself working a uh, a job that I hate in something that I've no interest in that'll bring in enough money to uh, pay the rent and keep the lights on so I can have a place to sleep so then I could wake up and, and repeat the process and, uh, you know, just do that till, uh, till I die. Uh, that would be number one. Or uh, number two, you know, which is... This is what I was thinking more along the lines of. It would all depend, but I know at least in, like, 2015, 2016, uh, I really didn't want to uh, do, you know, for lack of a better word, the, the rat race, so to speak. So there were some other ways, you know, that I could kind of scrounge around and and make some money. I would be dirt poor, but uh, I'd probably be a bit happier, you know, and just try to... I don't know, just do little things and odd jobs here and there and, you know, probably barely scrape by, but have uh, more freedom, so to speak, and, you know, just try to try to get by. Even if, even if that would mean I'd practically be, you know, on welfare, you know, it would, uh, I'd be happier that way. And, uh, I remember thinking that even at the time, so... You know, just try to do whatever I can to earn a couple bucks here and there and, you know, keep my head above water as best I could. But, you know, it's a tough question, and I don't really have a good answer for you because there was never anything that I really, you know, wanted to, uh, wanted to be career-wise. Ah, here's a question from Kara, she says... Did you ever hear anything from the National Weather Service or any listeners regarding the water spouts? I'm wondering if you've received any insight. So thank you, Kara. Good question. Yes, I did, actually. And uh, essentially, to paraphrase, uh, yes, the the, the answer, for those of you who don't know, I asked a question. We always hear about water spouts occurring very close to the shore, right? But would it be possible that water spouts could happen far, far away from shore, essentially just in the open ocean, dozens if not hundreds of miles out to sea? Is that possible? And uh, based on the few responses that came in, uh, the answer is yes. Uh, So again, based on what I heard, the answer again to whether water spouts can happen in the middle of the open ocean is yes. And uh, I received a few reports from professional meteorologists who confirmed that water spouts, particularly non-tornadic, but also tornadic water spouts, can indeed occur hundreds of miles out in the middle of the ocean. And I also heard from a few sailors, uh, be that folks who just go out casually, uh, individuals who are fishermen, uh, on container ships even some individuals on oil platforms who have said, I've been in the middle of the ocean, and I have indeed seen water spouts all the way out here, uh, far away from any land. So the answer is yes. Uh, Water spouts can form that far out. Uh, It's just something that not a lot of people think about. You know, those who are around uh, the ocean all their lives don't really think about it, it's just a part of life, and uh, us landlubbers, you know, we don't really 
think about it much either. So it's one of those things that kind of just gets swept under the rug, for lack of a better word. But uh, the answer is yes. Marley is checking in, says, I'm not entirely sure why, but I love listening to you talk about the weather. Uh, I was wondering, could you talk about any weather predictions you have for 2024? What is your favorite aspect of the weather to learn about? So thank you, Marley. Obviously, I must preface that by saying uh, I am, of course, not a meteorologist. I enjoy weather, though, but uh, you know, I'm by no means a professional. Uh, any predictions, uh, you'll have to stay tuned in for the next program. But uh, my favorite aspect of weather, I uh, particularly enjoy tropical weather. And uh, that's essentially my strength, uh, as far as that is concerned. But uh, tropical weather is, is definitely my favorite aspect, and uh, that's what I focus on. Number one, of course, because the uh, applicability, personally speaking, is quite high, being that I'm in Florida. Uh, but secondly, they're such intricate storms with so many variables, and uh, I just think they're quite beautiful, despite the uh, destructive capabilities they may have. So, uh, tropical weather is definitely my uh, my favorite. But, uh, you know, thunderstorms and uh, tornadoes are also quite interesting, but uh, definitely the bulk of my knowledge is in regards to uh, tropical weather. Thank you, Marley. Amy is checking in. Uh, Amy in Virginia says... My daughter and I noticed on the latest McDonald's Kerwin Frost meal that you mentioned that the prize came with a QSL card. Wait, are you an amateur radio operator? A ham? My daughter and I both are. We heard that and thought we might check. Thanks for the fun reviews. So thank you, Amy in Virginia. So, uh, I am not an amateur radio operator. Uh, I really haven't... Might be hard to believe, but I haven't much interest in actually amateur radio. Uh, but I am, of course, very interested in shortwave radio. And uh, while QSL cards are uh, mostly associated these days with amateur radio, uh, they still can be uh, associated likewise with shortwave listening. And uh, there are still folks will, that will send in reception reports to international broadcasters. And some international broadcasters will still respond to uh, reception reports uh, by offering a QSL card as well. So it's not a process that's entirely uh, relegated to amateur radio just yet. You know, you have some stations uh, such as Radio Slovakia, Radio Prague, Voice of Turkey... Radio Romania, All India Radio, NHK, KBS, Radio Taiwan, etc., uh, that still send QSL cards uh, in exchange for reception reports. So, I'm familiar with QSL cards in that regard. Uh, I've actually collected them, and uh, sometimes I'll throw in that comment just as a little bit of a joke, because it's one of those things that, you know so few people will get, and I'll just say it totally nonchalant when it's just, you know, nonsensical. So I'll just throw that in to see if anyone ever notices sometimes, which indeed you did. So, uh, I'm not a ham, but I am a shortwave listener and broadcaster, so uh, that's where my familiarity comes with uh, 
QSL cards, and uh, and I still collect them. I, I send out reception reports from time to time, and, uh, and I've been building a collection of uh, some QSLs once again. Taylor in Vermont. This is my first time writing, but I've been a follower of yours for years. I recently was watching a YouTube video that was talking about strange internet rabbit holes, and UVB76 was mentioned. Could you talk about this shortwave station and share the information you have about it? My apologies if you've already talked about this. So thank you, Taylor. I hear some sirens in the background, so uh, obviously that's the Russian military. They're coming to get me, so I gotta be quick, because I'm, I'm about to spill the truth about UVB-76. No, I, I kid. Now, UVB-76, it's one of those stations. I swear I've talked about this in a past show, so um, I'm not going to go into uh, overly excessive detail, perhaps, but I do, I will say this. Uh, UVB-76 is one of those stations that, that's one of the things that got me into shortwave, and it's it's one of those... Um, stations, I think, that's got a lot of people into it. And uh, the concept of it, of course, sounds so... so foreign, you know? It's like... You know, you're telling me that there's this mysterious radio station somewhere in Russia that's broadcasting this tone inexplicably for decades on end, and no one knows what it does, and no one knows what it is, and then, seemingly at random, some guy will come on and give, like, some, some mysterious message, you know, like, whoa, what is that, right? And, uh, and that's how I felt about it at first, and of course I wanted to listen to it, you know, I wanted to... I wanted to hear it, I wanted to hear one of these messages on it. And, uh, that's what sparked my interest uh, in shortwave, especially uh, UVB-76, you know, it got me going down that rabbit hole. And uh, it was there through that I was able to discover more about the medium. Now, I'm going to be a killjoy right now. UVB-76, I mean, I know what it is. And uh, it's only gotten clearer over the years. UVB-76 is essentially a radio station that's operated by the Russian military. And it's what they call a channel marker. So, the way to think about it is this. The frequency that UVB-76 is on, 4625 kHz, is a frequency that's utilized by the Russian military, and they want to keep that frequency theirs. So, in order to do just that, and prevent someone else from using that frequency or uh, interfering with it, they have the buzzer transmitting away with its little tone day after day after day on that frequency in order to keep it occupied. So anyone else that thinks about using it won't be able to because that channel is in use. I mean, technically speaking, sure, someone can still use the same frequency, but you're going to have that buzzing in the background constantly, and that's going to get really annoying really fast. So, 
The Russian military just has the buzzer there as essentially a placeholder in order to keep the frequency occupied uh, so no one else uses it. And they have plenty more stations like that. They have the pip, they have the squeaky wheel. And uh, over the last few years, uh, there have been so many more as well that have come to be. You have the air horn, you have the goose, the, the alarm. You have all of these Morse code channel markers and uh, so on. And all, they all just do the same exact thing. They just keep the channel busy. So that's all that it is. Uh, it's not some, you know, deranged Russian maniac that has this set up in his basement or something. Uh, it's not some secret facility that if the buzzer stops, then the nukes are going to go a-flying. Or, uh, you know, if the buzzer stops, then the zombie virus is going to get released and we're all going to die. Uh, it's just a channel marker. Uh, as a matter of fact, about ten years ago, I had the pleasure of actually being in communication um, with someone who uh, was with the Russian military, and he worked at the PIP. So not the buzzer, but the PIP, which does the exact same thing. Uh, it's based in Rostov, and he sent pictures and everything, and uh, told me all about it, and... Uh, sent me pictures of the facility, of the transmitters, the antenna, uh, of his, his army buddies there. They even had a Christmas party uh, at the facility one year, and uh, all of that. And uh, indeed, you know, it was confirmed that all these stations have a channel marker. Uh, the messages delivered are either propagation checks uh, in order to uh, make sure that the signal is still coming through if needed to uh, any of the units listening in, uh, or they might be actual messages being sent out, but uh, that's what it is. So it's it's used by the Russian military. And that's all that I have for today's program. Thank you all so much for listening in. Of course, we'll be getting to many more emails in the next program. And uh, please send in those predictions as well. I think it's going to be a good show, but it needs your help in order to make it a good show. So uh, please send in an email if you'd like, if you have any predictions for 2024. V-O-R-W-I-N-F-O at gmail dot com. And that's all for today. Until next time, be safe, be healthy, and I wish you all the very best. Take care, this is V-O-R-W.